0: Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Your personal growth matters. And we're here to help. Hey guys, this is episode 25 with David Griffin. David, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight.
1: I'm good, glad I got to be here.
2: Okay, so this is our last interview in the session on grit. So this is our mini-series on grit. David's closing us out on this interview series of these three people so we interviewed Betty, interviewed Keith and now we've got David
0: and David we know him as a pastor from our church and so David for those of are in our audience that aren't familiar with you can you tell them a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure um, <clears throat> I'm uh, married to Courtney and we have five children. So people ask, why do you have five kids? Do you like do you like children? I say, no, I like my wife. Yes. That's why we have five. Good so,
0: answer.
1: So um, so anyway, we have five kids, and uh, uh, I've got one that's a 19. Oh, no, she's 20. I, I should probably learn their names, too. Uh, but I've got one that's 20, and then i got one that's uh, 17. He's a senior in high school. And then I've got um, a daughter, Sarah. She is uh, 14 in ninth grade, and then I've got twins in, seven, in sixth grade. And so uh, it just has gone by fast. I've started the church uh, just over 13 years ago with uh, Randy and Paul. And we kind of have had a a pretty good run of it, actually. It's been uh, a a lot of work, especially, um, well, I guess I thought it was going to get easier as it got bigger, but in some ways it's just gotten more complex. It's different problems Mm -hmm. as it's bigger, but it's uh, certainly um, issues.
2: So, what are some things that you love to do?
1: Oh, my goodness. So,
2: not just your job and what you do, but what do you love?
1: Well, I, I would like to say golf, but I don't do it very much. I actually love to golf when I get the chance, and uh, I enjoy eating out. My wife, you know, early on, and this is kind of a, a, a double win for me because I enjoyed playing golf, and Courtney did like a hobby as well, and so her hobby became dining. Well, the deal is she doesn't dine by herself. She dines with me, so I like to get the double dose, <laughs> yes. you know? So we like to find dine. We like to, you know, go to yeah. restaurants around the Dallas area. Yeah. And, Emily really have some.
0: Now, are you a foodie? Like you try all the weird stuff, or are you a creature of habit? And when you find no. something, you stick with it.
1: No, no, I try. I try a lot of different things, but but you know, we the the difference is the number of restaurants that we go to, the the different ones um, that we that we frequent, and and when I say frequent, you know, maybe once a year, uh, but there's you know, probably a couple times a month we go somewhere, and and you know, it's it's a fairly expensive hobby, honestly, but no more expensive than golf, really. Right. Um, yeah. So.
2: I like that intentionality there. Yes. So we recently finished up an Enneagram series, and y'all did that at church. So yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about that real quick? Uh, like my own personal yes. Enneagram sure. oh, Yeah, sure. So, so some friend you know. Yeah, right. Somebody.
1: I know somebody I'm... that's a three. Sure. Uh, yes. So I'm here with a couple of ones. So if I make a mistake, they're going to punish me.
0: Um, yeah. uh, we're doing Not wrong. me. Oh, you're, you're a nine-wing nice one. I will let but... you... Make as many mistakes as you want. I will confront you. Okay, I'll try not to. I'll make you feel good about them too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Baron. We'll have to talk later. (laughs) Oh no! Remember those three
2: mistakes? Yeah, let's talk about it. Oh my! Working on it.
1: So my wife is a one wing nine, and uh, and I am a three. Um, I know what I. Most of my children are. Um, And my son's got this little weird thing that the college students are doing now that that is like this this anti-type or archetype or whatever. And I'm like, "What? Is, I don't even know what you're talking about now. So that's a new thing, you know. New
0: personality typing. Yeah, there?
1: well, it's, it's an Enneagram thing, but it has oh. to do with that basically you are, he is a three, but his desire is to not be impressive. So he works okay. really hard at not being impressive because mm-hmm. he's a three. It's a weird thing. I don't know what they're talking about. Right. But well, but I'm a three, sure. and uh, which means I'm more concerned with appearing smart than I am with actually being smart. Uh, I'm more interested in appearing to be an athlete than actually being an athlete, and uh, so those are those are kind of embarrassing realities of being a three. But um, but the good news is is that I have a lot of the positives of a seven. Um, but most of the time, I live in that three realm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your vulnerability and recognizing <laughs> that. Right. That's what we encouraged our audience is like. You got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable if right. you really want to. Um, you know make great change in your life and sometimes that starts with recognizing your weaknesses
1: well and i would say even with the enneagram and i don't mean to you know hijack the podcast no. here but it. but it but with the enneagram that i found that where people make mistakes is when they try to identify themselves by their strengths mm-hmm. when in reality the best way to identify yourself is through your weaknesses right and so when i test i always test as a seven mm-hmm. because that's the best parts of me right that's what that's what that's what i want to be because i see that people like that part of me they're inviting me to the party. They, they, they want me to be involved in the conversation. But the ugly parts of me are always the three. And really at the core, motivation, that's where I find my threeness comes yes, forth.
0: Yes. If, <laughs> if you guys are interested in learning more about the Enneagram, be sure to go back and check out our episodes. We'll include a link in the show notes.
2: Yeah. So today we're going to talk about spiritual grit. So we've talked about Betty. She's a lawyer. We have Keith. Who He's talking about parenting, and then we have David, who's going to talk about the spiritual aspect of grit, so getting gritty on when it gets tough, um, some practical application, the power of community, and just whatever else you feel led to talk about. Yeah, so again, feel free to dive deep. You can use examples for fake friends. (laughs) It can be you, it can be from the Bible, anything like that, so we can touch them all too. So, what does it mean, we're going to start it off with, what does it mean to be spiritually gritty? And what does that look like, either in the Bible, or today, or yeah. for you? So, what is spiritual grit?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, <clears throat> you guys have already talked about that, That you know, that effort counts twice. So, you know, I think that, I think that you know, effort counts twice. And, and one of the things that happens sometimes is when we're, when we're you know, talking about the Christian life in particular... And you know I'm, you, we can talk about it you know more from a just a general spiritual perspective, but I always come at it from a Christian perspective is that when we are ma- when we are um, talking about in particular the Holy Spirit, a lot of people act like that you just do nothing and you just kind of follow the Holy Spirit around. And that the Holy Spirit leads you, and there's no question the Holy Spirit does that. But it's not like when I, you know, go to a trip, you know, when I go on a mission trip to Africa, that I'm like, I'm not going to make any reservations. I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit when I get over there, or whatever. I make a plan, right? You know, because and and then I try to stick by the plan. And sometimes it's an effort to stick by the plan. Now, if the Holy Spirit wants to interrupt that, then I'm certainly fine with that as well. So I recognize, and I think this is true in every arena that. That over time, over time, the grit becomes evident, and this is true in the way that I live. You know, physically taking care of my body, um, it's true. Um, financially, with the way that I save my money, um, it's true in the way that uh, in the way that I relationally develop and spend time with my wife. We were talking a moment ago, um, you know about about dates and and you know that dining. Thing that we do, and and that's intentional. And so relationally, I have have a plan for that. And and it isn't always easy. I mean, as you can you can imagine, you know, some of our biggest dining years were when our kids were the age of yours. I mean, I just turned fifty, so that may turn off your (laughs) millennial audience there. But uh, I just turned fifty. But you know, with my kids, I remember that time, and we were being very. It's so hard to do. You don't have as much money as you want to have. You don't have as much time as you want to have. But. But you have to make it a priority. And, you know, we determine that, by the way, you can also, when, when it is really tight, you can, you can be very intentional about going to a, a restaurant that's very creative, but maybe not nearly as expensive.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what
1: I'm saying is? And so, so all that to say, I think in every area of life, we have to have a long-term goal of where we want to end up. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians um, chapter 3, he says, not that I have already obtained all of this or already been made perfect, but the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me.
2: Right. So and, even if we're in the trenches <clears throat> and it's terrible, we don't have a vision. So his advice is just keep going.
1: You say he said well I mean the word he actually uses is press on.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: And and I think that's re- I think that's really important because I think for people you can begin to believe that that if you if you're living the Christian life, the Holy Spirit just pushing you down the track, and everything's fine. And what I'm saying is is that He had a goal. He knew what His purpose was. He knew His life's purpose. He knew His life's ambition, and He was focused on it. You know, and and what's really cool is is the Apostle Paul uses athletic metaphors all the time. I know you guys are both athletes, mm-hmm. and I used to pretend to be one. But uh, <laughs> <He's> three, <laughs> yes, right, yes, because I just wanted people to think I was one. I told people I was All State pregame. <laughs> so uh, yes, yes. So I didn't play in college. Uh, <clears throat> but I told people that if I you know blew up my knee but if I wouldn't have hurt my knee. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, I would have for sure. For sure. But so anyway, all that to say, um all that to say that um
0: Peter makes athletic references.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, Paul makes all kinds of athletic oh. references. He's talking about you know running in such a way as to get a prize. He's talking about boxers. He's talking about people that, um, that are going to you know, focus on the goal that's ahead of them. And, and once again, he's clearly trying to pull from the part of sports that's grit, mm-hmm. especially when you consider the idea of purpose. Of you know run you know see what that the wreath is we're not running for an imperishable we're not running for a perishable wreath you know back then they had the they had the wreath that was temporary and it would it would basically die over time but we're running not for a, a wreath that's going to die our reward is going to be eternal forever
0: I like that example and that you're reiterating the word press on because that means not going through the motions and checking check boxes and kind of just half heartedly pursuing whatever is on your heart, but, you know, even in the rough parts, actively fighting, competing for what you're being led to do. Right. No one's exempt from tough stuff.
1: And if you're a mom, you know, there's going to be... The problem is is that, once again, you have to have a long-term... Uh, you know, a purpose that's way out in front of you. You can't have one that's just like, like think. Well, I just want to get to this place or that place. It, it just doesn't go that way. I mean, it, it I means you know, two steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back, four steps forward, five steps back. I mean, it's just that's how it's that's how it's going to be. You know, be like, oh, everything's great in our family, and all of a sudden your kids now now they learn how to fight. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't know how to fight beforehand. They just knew how to bother you. And now they're (laughs) fighting each other. You know, you're like, what is going on here?
0: I remember thinking, man, when they know how to talk and they're not screaming, then then I'll know what they need. And (laughs) then I can meet their needs. And then they start talking and you're like, oh, I wish you couldn't talk anymore.
1: (laughs) What's the saying that we spend the first year of their life teaching them, trying to get them to walk and talk? (laughs) And then we wanted to sit down and shut up. Yeah, the, of, the next uh, oh,
2: Everyone said amen. <laughs> yeah. So, how does being spiritually gritty tie in with the sanctification process? So, let's oh, yeah. just what is even sanctification? Yeah. That's a big fancy word, and sometimes people are like, ah, turn yeah. off. So, what right. what is that even? And what is how does grit tie into that?
1: So. First of all, to explain what sanctification is, the easiest way I've ever found it is when a person becomes a believer, they are justified. They are made right. It's like justified margins on a page, right? A lot of people would identify with that. You know, when you get on your computer, it's going to justify the margins. And you can left justified or right justified or full justified. All those are possibilities. And so that means we are made right with God. That's a one-time event. And then one day, we will actually live in a glorified body. And that's called glorification. So that's different than justification, glorification. And and we'll leave this body that we live in right now and we'll no longer be struggling with sin. We'll no longer be struggling um, with really all of the confines of being in this flesh. But in the middle, God has left us here. And the question is, if he's left us here, there must be a purpose because otherwise we would have just been zapped from justification Mm -hmm. To glorification. Okay, who is
2: was that Enoch who just went. Up yeah, yeah, went up and, to be, Yes, right. God hugged him too tight. It was like, yeah,
1: oh, there <laughs> yeah <you go." laughs> That's right. It says Enoch walked with God, and he was no more. Oh, there <laughs> we go. So that'd be cool, but um, but in between is sanctification. In between is that process um, that that every single day is you know steps forward, steps back, and whatever. And I think that's obviously true, and I think we all recognize this because any relationship. I mean, I think if if anybody you know. Uh, um, you know, not just with your children, but even like with your spouse, right? That, that, I, that I know that, that, that Courtney and I, it's not like everything is always moving forward. It's not like even every day we move forward, you know. We, we should, and most of them we obviously do. But, but sanctification, you know, from a marital perspective is, is that you're constantly moving forward. It's kind of like, maybe this analogy will work best for sanctification, and really this also ties in with grit, is that it's kind of like mountain climbing, and, uh, and and I'm talking about like like mountain climbing. I recently went down for my 50th birthday. We went down to uh, Lahitas, which is down in Big Bend. So we went, went hiking in Big Bend. And one of the things that's interesting is is it's not just a straight upward. It's not just straight upward, right? I mean, and, 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 or and even at a 45 degree angle. You're going up and down and up and down and up and down. But if you were to but if you were to trace it over time, there were sometimes that we were at 900 feet above sea level, and then we're at 700 feet above sea level, and then we're at 1400 feet above sea level. So in our relationships with our spouse, and most importantly with God, is that we need to be able to look back and see an upward trajectory. And, 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 and even though, once again, there are moments where we've gone backwards, but we've gone down, and God has then used it to bring it back up. Right. And so, so some people ask, you know, how do I know that I'm saved? I'm going to ask, well, is your life in a general up, upwardly trage- upward trajectory? Is what I ask sometimes.
2: Yeah, that kind of helps. It's and it might not be a straight line. Sometimes it's it's curved and swirly. Yeah, I guarantee you.
1: Yeah, I can almost promise you that it's not going to be a straight line. (laughs)
2: Right, I I can't think of anybody who was just A to B.
1: Correct. And by the way, some of those setbacks are are really really important. I mean, I don't know about about you guys. about you guys in your in your relationships with, when you with your husbands, but I suspect that at some time in your relationship when you were dating, there was some steps back. Mine was you... perfect. Oh, really? Flawless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, Morgan's such a great oh, guy. Yeah, <laughs> for sure.
2: So,
0: Equally yeah. flawless.
1: Yes, but but you but you understand what I'm saying is, but even in those moments where you're like, man, is this the person I want to marry, or can we get through conflict? That's when you actually figured out who that's who you wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or does that make sense? Yeah,
0: and me and Jacob actually broke up. Um, We weren't together for nine months, but I knew if we got back together that he was the one I was going to marry. And so anyways, we eventually got back together. And yeah, I mean, it was stronger than it would have been had we not broken up. Like, had we stayed and not had that, um, we wouldn't have the relationship that we do today. So I can totally relate.
1: And I was even talking about on on Sunday, I was talking about that, you know, I had to... um, I had I had back surgery and during that time I was struggling um, you know so mightily and there was um, and 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 one of the things that started happening is that I was I was really I lost hope for the future and so I was like man how do I just get through this day and I, and I started really craving for for hydrocodone. And uh, you know, and, and really had to talk with my wife about it and make sure that you know, because it was just a scary thing. I could just sense myself being drawn in by it. And and fortunately, on the back end of it, God just kind of gave me a, a really easy out after after uh, my surgery went pretty well, and uh, you know, have a little bit of a new normal. But what I would say is, is through that season of desperation and through that season of really struggling with with, with an addiction, if you will. Um, I learned a great deal about my relationship with God in the midst of that. So once again, you would look at it and you would say, "Man, David was a little lower spiritually than he had been at other times in his life." And that would be true, but it was in that low moment that I really recognized that man God is God is very real and he is he is able to liberate me from this and all that kind of stuff and so.
2: Yeah, there's been times where I've tried to fix it myself, the one in me, like, oh, yeah, I can handle this. I got myself in this mess. I can get out of this. And then I hit that rock bottom of, oh, wow, so I can't do it on my own. I need help. So thanks, God, no. for getting me out. Or I've even said, like, can you take it from me? Like, there's nothing I can do. I just it, take it from me. How, and that means me working through it, too. But I can't do it on my own.
1: And you don't go back. Right. to the day you were justified right you don't go all the way back. once again it's, a, it's an upward climb right? right it's like when I'm when I'm walking through or you know hiking through um, the Big Bend National Park I mean I don't go back to the base right I didn't fall off the cliff mm-hmm. but but I did the, but I did step back in order to what's interesting is in order to step back up higher I mean I, that's the reason I go down is just because the path is going to be helpful on the other side so that's so that's yeah. kind of what sanctification is and, and I think the pressing on is what Paul is alluding to um when he talks about it
2: okay so these next three questions we're going to hit they're super loaded so we're going to talk about how does one develop spiritual grit (laughs) so starting from zero how do we develop it and then how do we sustain it so uh, with the hope of not plateauing which goes into how do you grow your spiritual grit so starting from ground zero now we've got a baseline kind of thing and then how do we get from the baseline to continual growth loaded question no. oh, Frida. <laughs>
1: you know honestly you, it, it is loaded unless unless you've read the book crit and then you begin to recognize that ironically enough that although there's not necess- there's not it's not necessarily a spiritual book there's some really important spiritual um, implications and ramifications so you've got to have a deep interest right? You know, I think that's I think that's the first thing that that, that, yep. that happens is that you've got to have a deep interest you, you you've got to want to have spiritual grit I mean that's the first thing is, is, is it's it's not going to just happen you're not just back you're not going to just back into to spiritual grit
0: right. you got to want
1: it right. and then you've got to spend some time on it you have to make a decision and you got to want to read you got to want to pray you got you got to say I want to be close to God how do I do that and and you've got to have an interest in it then you, you know of course you got to do the next you got you got to practice you know You've got to, it's it's not just do you want to read, it's that you do read. It's not that you want to pray, you do have to pray. You're going to have to put that into practice and you'll be surprised at where you get over a long period of time. It's going to take time. And I, and I say this all the time, uh, that we tend to overestimate what we can do in a short period of time and underestimate what we can do over a long period of time. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can't just, you, you, you know, I know you guys are, you know, coaching a big soccer team right now. And <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, Go
2: Bruce. the 4 year
1: And, uh, but, but, but the point is, is that if, if you guys think to yourself, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice, we're going to practice 10 hours a day for two days, or we're going to practice 20 times over this season, the, the, the. It, the time isn't going to work that way. It's not going to be like they're going to get better. They're going to be crying. They're going to be sad. They're going to be there's going to be all kinds of issues. Were
0: you at our practice? <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: watching. Yeah.
0: Oh gosh.
1: And it just I, it was a, it was a shot in the dark that yes. four year olds <laughs> could cry. Well, and yeah. so if someone kicked the ball two heart at them or something.
2: Well, and they also talk about in your pro, you might even just repeat what I'm or you were going to say this. I'm going to steal your thought, but no. just you could either over the course of twenty years of working at a job, you could either have year one 20 times. Or you can have twenty years of experience.
1: Yeah, and so it's building, right? Yes. Then that's the idea. We're going we're going up the mountain. We're we're experiencing sanctification. And and so it takes time for a tree to grow. And and the way I see spiritual disciplines is like the fertilizer, right? The objective of, you know, the objective isn't to eat the fertilizer. The right. objective is for the tree to grow over time, so you're putting fertilizer on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah. So you talked about interest and then practice. Oh yeah. So then, what about purpose and hope? So that all ties into growing grit from the inside out. So internally, you are interested in it. I want to be a better Christian. I want to spiritually grow, and then you practice it. I read my Bible. I pray. I seek wise counsel. You're practicing those, and then she, the author, talks about having purpose, purpose. and having hope. So right. you mentioned you lost hope there for a second.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, that first of all is, is that you know, the purpose the, you know, to have purpose that one seems so easy to me. It doesn't take long if you, if you decide to get into spiritual things, if you begin to read your Bible and look at books and all those kinds of things, you're going to find that, that developing a spiritual purpose is not a very difficult thing to do. It's very clear that you're supposed to live a holy life, you're supposed to live a contented life. Um, you're supposed to, um, you're supposed to share the good news with other people and you're supposed Mm -hmm. to love others. And if you get those four things right, then you're, you win. You're, you're like winning at life. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but those things aren't as easy as they sound to do those things.
2: Especially because when you said content, content does not mean happy.
1: No, for sure not.
2: So will you talk into that a little bit about, yeah, about content. contentment mm-hmm. yeah. and how it's not happiness, like what we deserve versus don't deserve?
1: Yes. So yeah. contentment is an interesting thing. And the Apostle Paul says something interesting at the end of the letter to, Philip, to the church in Philippi. He says, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Now what's interesting is, is the Apostle Paul had all kinds of things revealed to him in other words the holy spirit was his tutor but this one was not given to him through a mystery he actually had to learn it he had to go through being well fed he had to go through being hungry he had to go through having plenty and having want and then he says i can do all things through christ who strengthens me and maybe not even the best translation is i can do it. it's really i can face i can live a, i can i can face up to all things through Christ, who strengthens me, because I found that contentment comes by recognizing who I am in Christ Jesus, right. and so it's a, it's a learned process, and it takes time. It takes a lifetime.
2: We mentioned this in a previous episode. How I I don't know if you you were at our campus, not you go to the Sunnyvale campus, Varen, but yes, you were at right. our campus one day, and you talked yeah. about sometimes we forget it's not who we are, it's whose we are.
1: Yes, right. Yeah, no.
2: so that that stayed with me ever since you said it. Well, so good. that just helps me kind of refocus if I'm feeling lost.
1: Right. And so there's, so the purpose once again is, is, is not that difficult, um, you know, to come up with if you practice, I mean, if you, you know, are, 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 you know, really intensive in your, um, desire followed then by your practice, right? You put that spiritual discipline in practice and then your purpose becomes clear. And then finally you have a growth mindset because because and I talk about this regularly in Romans 8:29 it says um, for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and so God's divine destiny for every believer is that they look more and more like Jesus and so once again what is that that's the chipping away if you think of the the, the master you know working on um, uh, working on a, a a painting or working, on a, any kind of tapestry or, you know, they're, they're weaving something or they're carving something, whatever it is, that's what's happening when you are being conformed into the image of Christ. And it's not always going to be easy. And sometimes you're going to want to quit. Sometimes you're going to want to throw in the towel. And so I I teach, I, I coach sixth grade football and, uh, and, and I tell them all the time, I talk to them about grit. For two years, I've been talking to them about grit. You know, how you're going to get into junior high whatever, and there's going to be times you're going to want to quit. Because, and you know, and you guys got to have each other's backs and all that. But what I want them to understand is, is that what is grit? And grit is, keep going when you want to cry. Keep going even when you're crying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And by the way, that may also work if you're a mom at home uh, with <laughs> <Yeah>. your kids. <laughs>
2: Potter is not just for the kids. It is very much for
1: the moms. <laughs> right. So just, just keep just keep going, right? And, and and keep keep fighting. And when and when you wanna you wanna pretend that you've got an injury, don't
2: mm-hmm.
1: keep move go through the injury. You know, keep the coaches playing.
2: see you, we see you.
1: <laughs> right, yes, that's right. And so, so so keep so keep working, you know, and that's the thing I love about, about kids sports is is that of course that you watch them, and when they start losing, they do what's called. We said it's sports; they'll lay down, right? Mm-hmm. If you get up two touchdowns, they'll lay down. And what hap- The reason we say that is they literally start laying down. Yes. And start going, oh my knee, my knee. You're uh-huh. like, no one on our team's getting hurt. Right? Yeah. But but we, we just had seven kids get hurt on this team. Nobody on our team got hurt. Does yeah, that yeah. does they that need, make sense? They
2: need some ice for their pride. Yeah, <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's, good. Oh, that's good. I like that.
2: I might have said it a time or two, (laughs) (laughs) certainly not to four-year-olds. At one point, I did coach older
1: kids, so (laughs) I might
2: have said that
0: a time or ten. Okay, so really good roadmap for learning to develop spiritual grit. What advice or recommendations do you have for sustaining that spiritual grit, especially when it's not easy or kind of like you were just touching on, you want to quit, you want to give up? Or in those low times, what do you do to sustain spiritual grit? Wow, that's
1: that's a re- that's a really good question. I think the first thing it starts with an intentionality, uh, an intentionality in your heart. You have to decide this is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a gritty person. I'm not I'm not going to let myself you know get overcome by this or that or whatever. I'm, I'm just not going to let that be part of my my mindset. We don't. And 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 honestly, I I'm, I was willing to tell you a moment ago about some of my weaknesses and stuff, but. But failure has never really, I've never really thought, well, maybe I would fail here. I mean, I've never really thought that. And I I don't mean that. I mean, it sounds very arrogant, but but there is a kind of a fine line here. I do recognize that. But but I've really never thought, man, I I may not be able to do this. I'm like, I always overestimate my ability to do things. And I go into it like I'm going to fight. And, you know, know, if if you want to fight me um, on something, I mean, you better pack a lunch. You better plan to kill me because I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so, I mean, one day they may close the church. Let's say we started 13 years ago. They may close the doors of the church one day. But I'm going to tell you that that if when that happens, they're, they're going to have to, like, drag me out of it, you know, so to speak. Because I'm, I'm going to be fighting for it all the way, you know, all the way to the end.
2: Right. So what does that look like in the day-to-day? Like, what are some practical takeaways? Like, if someone is in the pit right now, like, what can they do to stay gritty? Because they know they should. They, they know they're supposed to. They know that... Yes, God is all-powerful, and right. I know the end goal, but what do I
0: do right now? Like, after you make the choice, because like you were just saying, the first choosing, mm-hmm. it only seems like there's two choices, either to lean on the Spirit or not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so right, there's one in between. <laughs> once you make that choice, it doesn't mean it's magically easy. Um, do you surround yourself with wise counsel? Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, habits or sure. ways that you pull yourself out?
1: Yeah, you know, I have to be really intentional. I like, I like, like I said, some of the best things about me are seven, but but I have to be very intentional about even changing up my routine. But I need a routine.
0: Routine.
1: I recognize that that, that I need one, um, you know, and and I can see in my life. And you know, I, I remember um, there was a so I when I was back in high school, I always wanted to I always wanted to be able to um, um, to bench press two hundred pounds. And when I graduated high school, I'd do 195. I never got 200 pounds. So close. <laughs> yeah, so close. I mean, it's so awful. But, uh, but, but I always wanted to be able to do that. And so um, so I got a little bit stronger as I got older, got through college and whatever. Well, when I was in my late 30s, I started working out with a guy. And uh, he was a former professional athlete and started working out with him on a regular basis. And so every day, he would say to me, he'd say, well, what we're going to do is, is every week, we're going to go up five pounds on our bench press. And we're going to get you to 225. Because I always thought that was like the ultimate, right? you got two plates on each side. And so 225, we're going to get you this. we going to go up five pounds. So at this point, I was probably at, you know, I was probably right around 200. I was able to do 200, but that was all. And and at one time, I had really worked out hard and whatever, and I had gotten to 235. I had done it one time. And so I thought that was awesome. But he was like, no, 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 no. He goes, we're going to work out with 235. I'm like, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. But what, but what he did is is he put together this workout plan and before long, I was back at 235. I was able to do 235. Well, then the next week, guess what? I had to do 235 twice.
0: Mm-hmm. And the next
1: week, I had to do 235 three times. And then the next week, I had to do two. And, and so over the course, and so I finally, but at the very end, I think I got it nine times one time. I mean, I got it nine total times. I always wanted to do it ten, but something happened like it was Christmas. It was like Christmas time or something. And so I didn't finish. But but the point to that was is that we had a plan. You didn't just go out there, you know, we, and we had we write it down in our little book and you know, where, where we were. And so I was able to get stronger. That's also true in our spiritual lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't need to just, you know, well, I, I hate to say this because i I certainly don't want to put anybody on a different level, but, but there's different kinds of devotionals. There's different kinds of books. There's different levels of theology. You can sit down, you know, you can even sit down with your, your pastor. You can email me if you want to, if, um, you know, and, and, and I'll give you some books to help you along the way. You know, and because because you don't want to just stay at the same place where where you start. I mean, a Max Lucado book is good for everyone. You know, Fearless is going to be awesome. It's a great book. It's a fantastic book. But but eventually, you may want to get you know to um, you know something the Ragamuffin Gospel. You may want to do something a little bit you know more that way. Or
0: so when you're coming up with the plan, mm-hmm. obviously you don't necessarily do that in the pits. No. But like when you're on a high and you can like look back and analyze how you got pulled yourself out of those low situations, is that the time to kind of come up with a plan or a mm. habit and reflect on?
1: I think the best time is you
0: yesterday. You disagree with me? <laughs> I said the best, time, the best time to
1: do it is yesterday. Uh, but since that's gone, I would say just today. I would say when you're listening to this podcast, I would sit down and say, okay, here's what's going to happen is I'm going to read. I'm going to read three books this year. And, and I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop that or I'm going to spend, so right now, I mean, I, you guys probably know this, so I'm in the middle of, I mean, I just felt like it was a spirit led moment, but I pray 20 minutes every single day with nothing else. I don't open my Bible yet or anything, 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes of my day, you know, basically I get situated if you will. And then, and then I just go to focus prayer 20 minutes every single day because I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to pray for hundred hours this year. I have no idea why I'm very nervous about where that's going to take me, but it's a plan. And, and, and if you want to, and, and by the way, it takes some grit because you get up and you're like, I want to do something else today. I'm going to fall back asleep. Yeah. Right. right. (laughs)
0: I'm I'm meditating. meditating. (laughs) I'm going to be really honest
1: with you. It works out perfectly because, uh, I'm probably, this is probably too much information, but, uh, a few years ago when I hurt my back, one of the things we bought was we bought one of those really nice massage chairs. And so I sit in the massage chair and I set it for 20 minutes. Well, I won't go to sleep in the massage chair. Yeah. So there during that time, I'm praying. So I, and I know because it's like an alarm, right? It's 20 minutes long. That's how long it, that's how long it lasts. It puts me in all this air bubbles and yeah. leads me back, and you know whatever.
2: That's but. something that Lisa Lett talked about too when we interviewed her. When she every day she wakes up and reads her Bible, and she has everything set by her bed. Even if her son wakes up, she has something ready for him so he can sit in the bed with her and have something to do. So it sounds like you've come <laughs> up with a plan. Yeah. You've come up with a backup plan to correct keep you focused. And then also you're sticking to it and you've made yourself accountable by telling people. Right. And you also talked about how that was a struggle. That was one of your, like you're really good at reading the Bible. That's yes, right. Yes. Prayer might not be your your exactly. strength. So even saying that out loud, putting words to it, that's a big deal too.
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. I, I like what you said there, that, that it would be helpful if you've got this plan to let people know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let some people know that you care about or they care, let me change that. Let some people know that care about you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're going to ask you about it, not you know, to grill you, but because they care about you and they want to know how you're doing with that goal. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so I would definitely say that that would be the kind of thing. And you know, our objective, the fruit of the Christian life, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes, and, <laughs> every time. i got to do it every time. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the, that is the fruit of the Spirit. So that's what we want to have produced in our life. Our objective isn't to have church attendance. It right. isn't to have Bible reading. It isn't to have prayer. Those are a means by which we get to the ends. I mean, the object—you you wouldn't want to—and and like I said, it's like the fertilizer. You wouldn't want to eat the fertilizer, right? Right. And so, so what I'm saying is, is those spiritual disciplines—fasting and praying and reading your Bible and community with other community with other believers—all of those things are the means by which we develop and express kindness and patience and faithfulness, right? You know, all those things are developed. And interestingly enough, when I say love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, oh, who comes to mind? Who comes uh, to mind?
0: Anything? I mean, Jesus who, is always yeah, the we, answer, right? That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but What if I'm wrong? It's it not Jesus this time. It's, <laughs> it's brown
1: and small and it, has a, and it has a really fluffy tail. Oh,
0: man. It sounds a lot We're like all- a
1: squirrel, but I'm going to go with Jesus. <laughs> yes, I yes. got
0: it. Okay. Uh, but, Good job, Farron yeah. How do you? I mean, it's not as but mean it's a competition. The ones that mess what, up. So. Well,
1: and, what's, and here's what's interesting is so, and it's the fruit of the what? Spirit. Spirit. And what does the Spirit bring forth? Brings forth Christ. The point of the Holy Spirit is to always make much of Jesus Christ. That's so why when people talk about a spirit-filled church, I'm going, "Well, you talk about Jesus a lot, then." Um, you know, and they really usually mean we have expressions of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, a spirit-filled church is a church that talks about Jesus. Now. In your life, when the Spirit's at work, and those and by the way, how do we get the Spirit to work? These disciplines. We pray, we read the Bible, we hang around with other people, and guess what the Spirit's bringing forth? Bringing forth Christ. as right, we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and those gentle self-control. Those all come forth in our life when we when when we get serious about so. I don't know if that helps.
2: Another point that you brought up was you, whenever you were trying to bench press however much, you thought someone who had 235. Gone, let's
1: not miss how much it was. Right, like experience. as in like
2: I your, your goal, it was goal was 250. Was, it was really Yes, I know how you see how you can see that. But, Just, uh. I'm so sorry, David. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. You're <laughs> the strongest man I know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Strongest. But you thought someone who got, had gone before you. He had had a plan, stuck to yes, it, right. has gone to the other side, and now knows how to coach someone through it. So you do have those people who know a skill but cannot teach it, or you have the people who can teach it but cannot do it. Yeah. So the importance of finding someone who can do the skill walk along with you. Sure. That, that might be helpful finding someone. Yeah,
1: it certainly would, and, and you know, and I think it's a difference between a between a between a coach. And a comrade, right? I mean, a comrade kind of walks with you through it and whatever, but you can have a coach too. I mean, I think, you know, Tiger Woods had Butch Harmon for years, right? And, and, I mean, obviously, Tiger Woods would mop the floor with Butch Harmon, but Butch Harmon was, was the coach. And, you know, you think of, you know, right now, think of those all those old men that coach the U.S. women's soccer team. And I'm like, <laughs> these women could mop the floor with that guy, but he's a good coach. But they also have these, you know, kind of player coaches that are more like comrades.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So throughout your time in ministry, have you seen kind of a common theme when people are coming to you for advice and guidance? Um, Do you see a common area where people need to develop grit? Is it maybe um, something of the flesh or a perspective Mm -hmm. in particular? Are there any commonalities that like, man, I could preach a sermon on this and it apply to 75% of the people in this room?
1: Well, first of all, you know, most of the time when it comes to counseling, we're dealing with people that are in deficit. Okay. And the number one deficit I see is people that are ready to throw in the towel on their marriages. Mm. Um, And they really think that if they can break away from their current routine, from their current situation, they will find a better one. Mm. The problem is, wherever you go, there you are.
2: Right. Right. You're the common denominator. Yes,
1: right. And so, so that idea, and, and and honestly, I don't know if it comes from video games that we just press restart these days or what, but I'm just telling you, I just, I just see people all the time that I'm like, listen, you, you can, you, you know, you can make it through this marriage, but you have to be committed to it. It's why, and 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 I'll give you guys a little insight. I know this is a whole different topic altogether, but almost always, now there there, there are exceptions. I want to be clear about that, but I would say. 80 to 90% of the time, probably 90% of the time, when a couple breaks up, a married couple breaks up, there is either another person already involved or another person on the radar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not, I, I'm serious. I would say 90% of the time. I, when someone comes to me and goes, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, he swears or she swears. There's nobody else and whatever. But just out of the blue, I just didn't know. And you know, I knew we had some problems. And I'm like, well... So what have they done? In their brain, they have, started, they have started fantasizing, maybe sexually, maybe not, fantasizing about what it's going to be, mm-hmm. the changes that are going to take place, how much better it is to just press the restart button. Instead of getting gritty... Go into counseling, and by the way, that's a that's a surefire thing. And then, yeah, they said they're not going to counseling. They're just not going to counseling. I'm like, well, yeah, red I can tell you flag. why. Yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of red flags. Yeah. And like, and he also lost 27 pounds in the last uh, three months. I'm like, well, let me tell you what's going on. Yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> hate to break it to you. I think that John Maxwell in the purse or 15 Laws of Growth mentioned um, the law of reflection, and same thing in a job scenario. People that go from job to job to job. And they place blame on on others, and he says the only consistent person in all those situations was you. And so, yeah. similar example, but yeah, just reflection at looking at inward, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's, and all these things are good. all these things are going to take time, and right, that's what we're talking about with grit. Grit takes time, and and nobody nobody wants to pay the price over the long haul. Everybody wants a shortcut. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's funny. It's funny because, ironically enough, on the way over here, I was thinking to myself. I was thinking, man, I need, I need to, I need to get back to losing some weight. I've just, I've just been, you know, just kind of not been real consistent, you know, since summer times. You know, there's a couple of things that that came up, whatever. And I was thinking about that. And then I even thought to myself. I thought, I thought, man, are there any like shortcuts? Are there any like pills? Or I know they have surgery. And and all of a sudden, I'm like, what am I talking about? I know how to do this. Right. (laughs) I don't want to do this. That's the problem.
0: So let me ask you an off script question. Okay. Here we go. How do you know when it is time to walk away? Even we're in a detour series at church. How do you, I mean, I'm assuming the answer is prayer and discernment. Discernment. But how do you know when the discomfort is trying to lead you down a different path? Versus, yeah. pushing through.
1: Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. And and to to be clear, we're not we're clearly not necessarily or even talking at all no. about marriage. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. Just to no. be clear, just to
1: be clear. Yeah. Yes. Thank body.
0: you for that clarification. Yes. In general, whether yes. it's a job yeah, decision, right. yeah, or life choices. Yeah. You, you yes.
1: decided you you've decided you're going to start a side hustle, yeah. and and you know, and you're like, I, you know, but it's not working. and You feel like you're pounding it. Yeah. Great question. Um, so the first thing is is the more you talk excuse me, the more you talk to the Lord, the easier it is to hear His voice when you need to hear it. And I think that's true. I mean even once again, you guys can't pick up from my body language when I'm sad or stressed or whatever, but you can pick it out for your husbands. Mm-hmm. You know when that's true about them. Because you talk to them all the time. You have conversations with them all the time and whatever. You're starting to pick it up with your children, right? You're, seeing, you're beginning to see some, they're getting old enough, that you're beginning to see some tendencies. And, and the same thing is true when it comes to our relationship with God. We need to be able to hear the Holy Spirit, hear from God, and, and to listen. So there's, there's five ways, there's five ways, the way I like to say it is, there's five ways that God speaks. That God speaks through prayer. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through circumstances he speaks through the Holy Spirit impression and he speaks through wise counsel. So those are the five ways that God that I find in the scripture that God actually actually speaks to people. And and so so all five when all five of those are kind of coming together, you're like, okay, you know, or even three, four of them kind of start making those indications. Um, we, we, we should be listening we should be listening. And so that that would be my answer to that. Um, you know, in, in Acts chapter sixteen, there's a, there's a great story, and you probably are you're probably aware of it, where um, <clears throat> where the, the the Holy Spirit there's a passage in Acts sixteen it says talking about Paul and Silas, and it goes they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. They're in Troas, right? But a vision appears to Paul in the night, and a man from Macedonia was standing there saying, "Come over and help us." When Paul seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. They go to Macedonia, they're in Philippi, and they get thrown in jail almost immediately.
2: Thanks, God.
1: Yes. At which point, <laughs> Silas has to turn to Paul and say, What gives, bro? Mm-hmm. You clearly heard from the Lord wrong, which he didn't. And 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 what they, they don't do what we do. They don't start bellyaching, they don't start complaining. They don't start arguing. They start singing and praying and having a worship service in the jail. What happens is, of course, the, the jail cell opens and the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself. And they say, hang on, hear this good news first. They lead him to Christ, him and his whole family. And church tradition holds that he becomes the founder of the church of Philippi. Mm. And and so, so what's interesting is, is that God had a plan. So all of these doors that are being closed, or, or windows that are being closed, or doors that are being closed, whatever it is, that, that this door is being opened that leads to the writing of the book of Philippians. We have that book, which I've quoted from already three times mm-hmm. in this podcast alone. All, across, all around the world this week, people will be reading the book of Philippians, sharing the book of Philippians, writing down um, devotionals from the book of Philippians, In part because Paul and Silas go and they don't do what we do. They get gritty and they worship and they say, you know what, we're not giving up. Seems like we've hit this wall after that wall after that wall but God's going to open a door at some point or another and so we have to trust that. But that's a really good question. That's, you know, discernment is a gift and I would pray for it and recognize that the the more we heed in obedience what God has for us, the easier it is for us to hear it in the future.
0: And to circle back to when you talked about Paul saying pressing on, yeah, like he said, they found themselves in jail, and they could have said, "Well, this is where God led us, so we're gonna sit here in jail and I guess just wait for something to happen." But right.
1: No, and they didn't. They, they 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 start a worship service, right? Mm-hmm. They get they get to the prayer and praise, which worship is also the spiritual discipline, right? Back now to the comes kind of full circle. We were practicing that spiritual discipline and letting God do His thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I want to piggyback off of that question. What if You have the discernment. You figured it out. You need to go this way. Partner's not on board. Or is it more of, if that's the right way, your partner would be on board. Are you praying enough? Are you doing the, just to give you, just to switch it up to a crazy situation? No, no, that's, I
1: mean, that's, that's really not a, that's really not a ridiculous idea because, I mean, I think you, you, you have people all the time that, that one of the two people want to go to church, for instance, and right. The other one That's is saying, a great example. I don't want to go to church with you. I don't, I don't want to go do that or whatever. Would do we go? Well, I think that, I think that the first thing is, is that we try to find common ground. We, we start trying to find a way towards that ends that isn't necessarily disrespectful of the other. So what? You
2: know? is, okay. So use the church example. Okay. You want to go to church, spouse does not. Yeah. So what is that? How well, does that I've, look like common ground? Yeah, trying to find. Good
1: question. So I think if, I, um, you know, and, and this example, obviously, it sounds self-serving because I'm a pastor. and I'm not trying to do that. I'm just using it because it is the example we have in front of us. But I think you would, you would say something like, maybe like, hey, I think this would be really important and whatever. And, uh, you know, several things if um, I know you, you want to play golf or whatever it is that you do. You know, uh, hey, this is this going to be your time, whatever. Would you care if I took the kids and I went? Why would we rather the kids not go. Okay, well then, then why don't we make that dad and the kids day? And maybe I can go. You, you, there, there's there's ways of there's ways of kind of working through this. Or or you know what? Um, what what if I do this? I'm I'm gonna get up in the morning and whatever. Our you know our church. and I'm specifically speaking of our church. We've got an eleven thirty service and we have a five o'clock service. Hey, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna do brunch and da 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 da. I'd like to do this on Sunday. I'd like to get a little more discipline in my life. One of the things I think I think the church is gonna help me in that. You know that that kind of thing. I think that oftentimes, when we recognize that we're trying to make things, but I was talking to somebody just recently about some gossip that they were dealing with, and they were they, they were they were trying to they had a friend that continued to gossip, and they were tired of their friend continuing to gossip, and they and they basically they basically just attacked the problem like like a one would, and basically just said, yep. hey, what you're doing <laughs> is gossiping, da 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 whatever. <laughs> and I said and and I said, well, 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 what if we tried it this way? What if we said Hey, listen. I understand the temptation to talk about Jim. Um, I understand it, and I and I feel it too. But but you know, I, I'm kind of wondering if what what if we prayed for Jim? And and by the way, you will find you start saying that that that'll without with you and you've addressed the issue without any conflict. You've you've been very spiritually minded. What I'm getting at is that there's almost always a way around this if you'll really think. How do I follow God? And act in a loving way to other people most of the time. Yeah. most of the time. It's not an
2: and, It's not just an or. This or yeah, that. It yeah. can be an and too. There's
1: usually you're, there's usually a way a right, way around yeah.
2: that. That's a great way to say it. So part one uh, talked about what is grit. Part two in the book talked about the intrinsic kind of inside. So growing from the inside out, and then part three talks about growing grit from the outside in. So this part talks about parenting or circumstance. The climate or culture, whether that's your workplace or your neighborhood. So, how do all those intrins, intrinsic, nope, it's extrinsic, grit factors help us grow spiritually? Another loaded question.
1: No, you know, there's a uh, uh, there's 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 a passage of scripture um, where it says, and I'm, I'm I feel like I'm, it's um, it's Paul's at Mars Hill, and he says, and I, and I don't have that right here. Um, Paul is in And by the way, one of the questions that you, that you kind of talked to me about beforehand or, or sent to me earlier was about, you know, who do I find greedy? And honestly, the Apostle Paul is just such the obvious answer to me because I just, throughout his ministry, recognize all the things that are constantly going wrong. You know, and there's one part, this part where he's like, he's like speaking, he's speaking about. You know, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, Mm -hmm. and uh, and he's like, you know, I've been cursed, I've been let down through windows, Some people tried to kill me, they threw stones at me, they hit me with sticks, and then he's like, and then I was on my way to Rome, and I was shipwrecked again, and I somehow or another survived, and and he he goes, and then he says, and then I got bit by a snake. At which Snakes. point you're like, "Are you Zalt kidding me? Wound. Are you kidding me? Can we not leave the snake <laughs> yes. on?" I mean, you're like, "Because that feels like that's completely God." No, the other stuff is the evil of man and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But you're like, "A snake?
0: Really?" <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: he's reaching down in the fire, and you know he's like, and he's probably thinking, oh, man, I made it out." I was probably when he reaches down, the snake bites him. So anyway, but uh, I don't know. That's, that's that's a little side point. But well, but, but he's but, so he's so gritty throughout. You know, and but when he's but he says and. and 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 one of the things he says um, in the book of Acts, he says that God has arranged the parameters by which a man would live in order that they might seek him and find him. So God's got this divine plan as as Morgan would say, predestined plan. Oh,
2: Morgan. <laughs>
0: Half <laughs> the people just stop listening no, right now. No, I'm but, thinking I'm glad you don't know Jacob as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's
1: true. That's true. But uh but so but but he, but God has a, a plan uh that's out there and he set these boundaries for us to make these choices to seek him. And and so so what I'm saying is is that the external things in my life are not irrelevant. I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, is, that, is that, so let, let's just say it, this could be a good thing or a bad thing, that you're going to be staying home. You're going to be a stay-at-home mom. You're not, you're not going to any longer work in this, in this particular job. It might be because of money. It might be because of a health issue, whatever it is. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter why that ends up happening. But what, however that circumstance comes about, then there may be another set of people that you can now speak life into them. You can now kind of redefine both your practice and your purpose, right? Because that's not a hopeless situation. But I can promise you, that once again, that that sometimes a person can go from their career and things are going well, whatever, and now they're at home and they feel like everything has changed. Yes, it has. And now you've got to go back and you've got to get a new interest, right? You've got to get some new practices. You've got to get some new discipline, right? You can you can go in your jammies to the carpool line if you want to.
2: That's where it's at. <laughs> yeah, is that, is that the answer?
1: That's the answer. Um, but but you can you can do that you can do that if you want to, or you can say you know what I'm going to get up and have some discipline in my own life and whatever because I'm going to go afterwards and I'm going to you know mm-hmm. work with these friends or whatever it is. And, and and have that have a divine purpose even in even in that scenario. So I'm, I'm using that as an example. Of, yeah. So of, just the,
2: looking for it. So just because your situation's changed, that means you need to put a new lens on maybe and see like, what are the opportunities in front of me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and this happens all the time. Um, and I guess one of the beauties of podcasts is that the, the geography doesn't matter. But but there can be people that that are in your life right now that God's going to move somewhere else. They're going to be in Seattle next month, and they're going to move there. Right. And, and that, you know, that's too cold there. Hopefully, hopefully (laughs) (laughs) it's not that cold. It's North Dakota. It's Bismarck is where they're going. Uh, But, but that's the point is that you, uh, uh, I don't know if that answers your question. I think it at least gets close. So I'm just saying the circumstance kind of helps dictate how you're going to view, as a gritty person, that's what happens. is So you take a gritty person out of one setting. Wherever you go, there you are, right? That's a negative thing. It's also positive. Here I am now. I'm in a new setting. Okay, now how am I going to thrive here? Mm-hmm. You know, how am I going to succeed here? And whatever it is, whether it just be a change in lifestyle or whether it be a change in geography.
0: Right. Right. How does mental health play into those scenarios? So you're a gritty person. And you find yourself going through depression or anxiety and that gritty you still there. And whether it's external or coming internal, um, what's your take on mental health and its role in these situations or circumstances?
1: You know, the most important thing in, in, in mental health to me, um, aside from the obvious spiritual connecting with God and all that, aside from that, is... That you need to have real friends. You need to have people that you walk with um, in life that can help, that are willing to help you see your blind spots, and that you trust them and that they trust you. I've just found in mental health that that the number one thing that people that are struggling with mental health don't seem to have is kind of a trustworthy, authentic non-pretentious relationship
0: mm-hmm. and is that beyond a spouse
1: oh goodness I, um, I got a lot yeah <laughs> no I I mean you're asking all these hard questions yes. well, when, when you
0: the didn't write them down so that way it'd be a challenge
1: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. well no I mean I, I think I think no I think it's, be, it's probably best if it's if it's a spouse but I do recognize there are some challenges that are unique to the to the sexes um that are not you know completely understandable, and sometimes it has to do with with just even the way that you organize, the way that you organize your 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 life, and uh, I, I don't really know how to answer that question fully, but I think that it's best to have both yeah. um, to, to to some degree. But yes, you definitely need it with your spouse. That should right. that should really be.
2: So walk us through that initial conversation. If we, let's, your spouse. let's say we're struggling with something between our ears. Can't get our head right. Something else is going on, whether it's depression, anxiety, whatever it is. So how do we, how do we kind of introduce that to our spouse? Whether they have, what yeah. if they have no idea and then they're just floored at what you say. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: what, or if they're fixers, yes. you're know, like, oh. They're trying to fix me. But I want your help, but like, yeah. not trying to. It's so how does
2: that conversation even start? Like if there, if someone is listening and they're like, well, I am feeling and thinking all these things, but how do I even begin to say it with my spouse?
1: Yeah. Well, you want to first of all be committed um, to. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do what it takes to get healthy. And and I think that there have been several times in my life where I've had to say, I'm gonna do whatever it takes right here to get healthy. And. Um, and so you gotta, you got to walk in with that mentality. Secondly, when you walk in and talk about it with your spouse, it's important to not assume that... In other words, you don't put it on them. You, you bring it to the, the idea of, look, here's where I am. Anytime somebody feels like they're being accused of something, you have pushed me to this place or whatever, that's just not the healthiest way to do it. Just bring your stuff. Let, let them bring their stuff you know, there's stuff later. And uh, that, that's where I would start. I mean, I, I don't really know any other way to say that, but I'm saying that they just bring, hey, here's where I am. Here's what's going on in my life. Um, you know, I, I'm feeling overwhelmed about this. And then, um, and if you want to, I think the other thing you can say is, is can I talk for five minutes? And, and, and I just want you to hear me. You can say whatever you want, we're done. Can I just talk for five minutes? I'm feeling overwhelmed with this, and I'm dealing with that, and I don't understand this, and sometimes I have this feeling, and da 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 and and whatever, and now I'm I want to listen to you. I mean, I think that's the key is, is that just to make sure that you're, you know, that's how communication skills work, and and I think that once, and here's what's really interesting is, this is why foundational communication skills are so important. This is why developing a healthy foundation is so important. We talked about it a moment ago with God and hearing his voice, but the same thing is true with our spouse, is that it's important to to develop good communication skills, so when, I think you asked this earlier, Frank, so when you find your, when you're at the peak, so when you find yourself at the, at the valley, you know, you'd be in a, you'd be in a, a better place.
0: Right, and you've practiced it. And then if you're the spouse receiving this news, do you have any recommendations I'm sure people come to you quite often, feeling don't say anything for the, the five, five minutes.
2: That.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think the objective is, and you know, and this is just such a cliche that I feel dumb even saying it. But you know, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. You know, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. And and so you want to hear what they're saying. You know, the scripture even talks to to, to men um, who, of course, in that culture, definitely had the upper hand. And, and it says, you know, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding manner in order that your prayers not be hindered. So once again, that's not you bring them in and you all of a sudden you try to convince them all they're wrong. Mm-hmm. You bring them in and you listen to them. And I think that, in, you know, we're, we're a little more, you know, I, I, there's some discussion in regards to that verse. But I'll just say, obviously, most people function a little more egalitarian than they did at that particular time. Most men wouldn't be so brave as to call their wife the weaker vessel. But,
2: uh, yeah. <laughs> Morgan but, would no longer be. Yes. He'd be like Enoch and just be up yeah, right.
1: Where did he go? We don't know. He just disappeared.
2: I don't know, guys. I don't know.
1: It was a spiritual thing.
2: <laughs> I was just <laughs> the whole night. I don't know. I don't
1: know. He just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but what I'm saying is is that, so I think it applies both ways. I, I guess what I'm saying is I think it applies just as much to, 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 to women as is, is is in, these, in these relationships. Seek to listen. Seek to understand the person. The objective isn't to win the argument and lose the person.
2: Oh, that's good. Will you say that again?
1: Well the objective is not to win the argument and lose the person.
2: Right. Y'all had I think this was in the love song series y'all did back when, but if I lose you lose. Like Correct, if we're yeah. if we're on the we're the same team. So or as if, Michael
1: Scott says, it's a win-win-win.
2: Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's all the wins. But even and y'all another tactic y'all brought up was if someone is telling you something, you can even say, what I heard you say... I say that all the time. ...was this, this, this. So how does that look like with you and your wife?
1: Well... If you say you say that yeah, all the Courtney's, time, Yeah, so. Courtney's... She's a bummer. She won't fight. Um, <laughs> so God blessed me with Paul. Get back here and fight so with Paul. So God oh, blessed yeah. me with Paul McGill and Randy Wade. <laughs> fight with you all day. Yeah, they will fight all day long. <laughs> I think we fought today. I'm not sure. But uh, but anyway, but, but, the, but the point is, is that, uh, is that how... Repeat your question again, because I had lost my train of thought. What are about. you
0: thinking about, Paul and Randy? Yeah, <laughs> thinking about how so. much fun
1: it is to fight with. them.
2: Right, hold on. What was I thinking about, Farron? Just the, the what I heard you say. Yeah, and then how do you actually? Oh. How do you use yeah, that? Yeah, no, and space? I and I do
1: say I do say that to, to to Courtney if she if I can sense that she's you know doing some frustration. Yeah. And, and and honestly, everybody's gonna hate me when I say this. Courtney is she's so industrious. She just does so many things and i do so little i um, mean i just laugh i mean it's it's crazy i just learned recently that do you know that that it's that when i put my clothes in that clothes basket and then they end up folded back in my drawer there's not that's a fairy true. that's doing
2: yeah. that <laughs> oh i
1: thought it was a little fairy <laughs> but fairy it's is not named. <laughs> yeah so but but she does so many she does so many different things and so sometimes and and by the way, and rightfully so i want to be abundantly clear I can sense that that, that that is weighing heavy on her, which is funny because she loves productivity. She loves to be productive. She does not want to sit and watch TV. She does not want to sit and, you know, and just hang out and is chat with the girls. She She's the one, yeah. Oh, yeah. She doesn't want to <laughs> chat with the gals, whatever. She doesn't want to do that. She wants to be doing something. She wants to be productive. But she's a person. She's not just a one. She's a person. So at some points I'll have to say, and I, and, and she'll say something. I'll say, okay, now, now what I hear you saying is, just like that, I'll say, what, what I hear you saying is, is you want to go out to eat? Um, or, or I might say, so what I hear you saying is, is you want me to take the kids so that you can cook because you feel like it's been a long time since we've been at home. So I just try to listen and then and then repeat basically what she's saying mm-hmm. or what at least she's communicating. And then sometimes you go, no, 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 I'm fine going out to eat tonight. And I say, okay, that's fine. I just want to make sure because you made it sound like I haven't cooked in forever. Or whatever it is.
2: I don't think I'll ever say that. I haven't cooked in forever. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I hear you doing a really good job of not being sarcastic with it. Like. Oh yeah. Yeah, I hear what I heard you you say. say, Yeah, right. You can't be cynical. Yeah. Is that I don't take the kids enough. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right.
1: No. I would say. I say so. So if if I or and you know and and by the way I don't have to use those exact terminology. I can I I can you know modify it a bit and say okay if Mm -hmm. I understand correctly. Right. Or, or just to be just to be clear, your needs are or you know, whatever yeah. yeah So I'm really weird because I'm extroverted and I'm extroverted, but I'm also task oriented. Mm-hmm. So that creates that can create a bit of a problem because people would assume that extrovert is people oriented. And so I, so I've kind of found that in my, myself mm-hmm. and, and so I have to be very careful because I can just get right to it and just run through the relationship mm-hmm. if I'm not
2: careful. Morgan and I had an aha uh-huh the other, I guess it was last weekend, doing the, uh, what I heard you say was, but we didn't do that at all. I was saying something, and I wanted to be with him, but I wasn't saying that because I didn't even realize that was on my radar, but I wanted to spend time with him, and he goes, uh-huh. well, do you want to just ride with me to the store? I was like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. asking. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't even realize that was a thing I wanted, so yeah. we loaded up the kids, and we all went to the store. Yeah. So, yeah, was that more work, but... I
0: didn't realize that's the thing I needed. So, no, good job, great. Morgan. Well, before we wrap up, I do have one more question that I hear a lot. And sometimes people um, seem to lose their grit when there's like toxic people in their work environment mm-hmm. or heaven forbid families. Um, and we kind of talked to Lisa a lot about this and, you know, taking what you hear others say and then going to the Bible to hear what God says about you. Um, but what advice do you have for people? Sustaining grit when, again, they're from the outside in, they're surrounded by people that they might not be able to get away from or toxic people.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I say it often. There's there's always a way to honor God from here. Wherever you are, there's always a way to honor God from here. Now, that being said... Um, People love giving you an exasperated situation that they can't get out of. Mm-hmm. And when they tell me the situation, I can almost always tell them what you could say or do. And they will say, I don't, basically they will say, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I've just told you how to get, I mean, I'll have people that will talk to me about their kids. they of say they are talk to me about their their adult children or their teenage children, an older teenager. And I'll say well you need to do this this and this with with that child and by the way I understand this because I'm not perfect at it as well I mean there's sometimes um you know there there's there's sometimes that, that that happens you know so just last night as a matter of fact uh, um uh, y'all don't tell anybody this no uh, but just last <laughs> night I was talking to my son about about a particular issue and 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 uh and basically I got to the end of it and I was just about to walk out and I thought you know what I would tell other people to do I would tell other people to pray with their with their son there and my son's 17 and so I walked over and and he was in his bed, and I laid, I laid next to him put my hand on him. He's 17 years old, and that's a weird thing to do. Um, men don't basically touch their children after age 12, which is a real problem, but they don't. Um, and so I just put my arm on him and whatever, and, and, and I said, hey, let me pray for you. And, uh, you know, just kind of laying there next to him and just put my hand on him and prayed. And, and what, what I'm saying is, is, that, is that I didn't really want to do that. I want to be clear. I mean, there was a moment in which I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Same thing is true a lot of times with praying with my wife. A lot of times I'm like, I know I need to pray with her right now. But, you know, but I'm. But you do it. And what I'm saying is there's almost always a way that the Holy Spirit of God is working in those scenarios. And so what I would say is, is find ways find ways to love that toxic person well. If you're looking for it, you know, love wins, you know. It's, mm-hmm. And love wins, love does. There's all kinds of books out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but But I would just say, you know, find that way to act in a loving way with a person. Act in a spiritual way with a person. Once again, we don't act spiritually most of the time because we don't want to. It's not because we can't really figure out what's the spiritual answer. I mean, it wasn't really hard to think after that hard conversation that I needed to pray with my son. That wasn't hard to come up with. He was just like, I just don't want to do that. I mean, it's not hard at the end of the evening when you've been very, let's just say... Hypothetically, I'm sure this wouldn't happen for y'all, but you've been very snippy at your husband's all evening long. I don't do that. Yeah, but there's people that do. There's people that do. And they've been snippy all night long. And you're going... And, and it's really it's really weird and hard for you to say, Hey, can I pray for us? I'm going to pray mainly for me because I've been a jerk tonight. That's going to be a hard thing to do. And and, and that's and by the way, and y'all aren't going, What? No way. You're just going...
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah. don't
1: want to hear that answer. And that's what I'm saying is, is that that's what a gritty person does. A gritty person says, "I'm going to fight through. I'm going to do what I know is right, even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to do it now, and I'm going to worry about feeling it later."
2: Right, because if you wait till you feel like it, you're never going to get there.
1: Correct. You're never going to lift two thirty-five
2: or two eighty-five. <laughs> Challenge three thousand. <000. laughs> <laughs> right. Ugh.
1: So that's it. I don't know if that helps, but
0: that I don't was know. wonderful. Lots of wisdom.
2: Yeah. So thanks, David, for coming out. Sure. Listening to us chat and you throwing in some good stuff and uh, everyone out there, if you have questions, comments, concerns, definitely reach out.
0: Do you mind closing us in prayer? No,
2: not at all. Get gritty, David. Yeah, gritty prayer. (laughs) All right.
1: (laughs) Father, I know that there um, are people that are listening to this right now that um, are ordained to be listening to it. And, Father, I know that there's some that have their back against the wall that feel like they're about to throw in the towel. They um, may be wanting to, to give up on a relationship. They want to give up on their current stage of life. They want to break away and start something new. But, Father, I know that you are a God who can make new the situation that they are already in. And so, Father, I'm asking you, in the power of your Holy Spirit, under the authority of the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, to anoint that situation, to step into the mix, to give them wisdom and discernment and a self-control that kind of fights through all of the obstacles. And I'm expecting some big things. I'm expecting to hear stories of how you broke through in a person's life, someone that was about to give up Hung in there. And at the end of the day, at the end of their lives, they look back and they see that upward mountain climb, that sanctifying work that brought them to the place where you wanted them to be. Thank you and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen.
2: All right. Thanks again for coming out. And we'll have to get you back on. If we didn't scare you off too bad. No, great. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We'll
0: talk to y'all soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Witty and Gritty podcast. Join us at wittyandgritty.blog where you can subscribe to our newsletter, check out our blog, and listen to more episodes. We're here to help you become your best self with a community
2: that cares.